Good morning, everybody on Educated Economist here. So, I came out to fire up the Toyota to make sure everything was still running good here. 165,000 miles with no problems, fired right up. Got a mail call video for you. I picked up the mail a few days ago. Um, it took me a while to get to the post office. They had my mail behind the counter, and so I had to get there while they were open to collect my mail. I probably should have received that before Christmas, but I have it for you now. Um, so I'll do that here in just a minute. And also, get this. I found my end the Fed hoodie out here. I thought I had misplaced this thing. I couldn't find it anywhere. It turns out it was sitting out here in the Toyota the whole time. So I'm glad to have that back. Let's talk about this article that I leave down in the description of this video. Um, the economist in this article is talking about the disinflation scenario that we are experiencing or going to experience more of into the future and how we should give credit to the Federal Reserve for the raising of interest rates and the tightening, the quantitative tightening that is going on with their balance sheet and how this effort is bringing a slowdown on the consumer, which is then reflecting into the prices that we are going to see within the rest of the economy. I think that's pretty much, you know, the idea in the nutshell. His idea that it was a supply chain breakdown that caused the prices to go up is like he discredits that completely, like has 100 percent disagreement with that. Now, I'm pretty much opposite of this economist saying that, no, it had everything to do with the supply chain breakdown and had very little to do with the Federal Reserve. So it's pretty good to have an economist such as this. You know, saying that it is the Federal Reserve and their efforts and me saying Haha, it was supply chain breakdown and me using the lumber industry as my main indicator of why it is that it was a supply chain breakdown as opposed to the Federal Reserve and their quantitative easing and now quantitative tightening and balance sheet, you know, unwinding. So this is really difficult stuff to wrap your head around because a lot of people just say, man, how can you just not understand that when the Federal Reserve prints money, the prices go up? Simple as that, right? I mean, how else do you do you cause prices to go up? I mean, this is what a lot of people kind of refer to or ask me about when, you know, when I'm referring to the Federal Reserve not being the main cause of inflation. So my main thing that I bring up when a lot of people say, how can you say this, that the Federal Reserve and their money printing doesn't cause inflation, is because I go back to quantitative easing one, two, three, and four, because it failed to produce the inflation scenario that the Federal Reserve was looking for. They were going for a 2% target. They didn't even achieve it most of the time. Right? So that's something to think about. They took a balance sheet of $850 billion to f over $4.5 trillion. They more than quadrupled the balance sheet. Like, talk about some money printing in a percentage basis. It was way more back then than what happened here just recently. Yes, more money was printed recently because they doubled the balance sheet. But it was on a percentage basis. It was far more during the great financial crisis. So now all that money printing and the expansion of the balance sheet in all in the what should have been a hyperinflation scenario failed to manifest itself in any form, like any form. You know, I mean, it did show up in real estate and stock market and the bond market and stuff like that. But you have to think like these are things that you borrow money to buy. Anything that you borrow money to buy is going to go up in price. And that's what we saw happening right after the great financial crisis. This time around, there was a much different scenario that was taking place. It was a supply chain breakdown. And I saw it easily within the lumber industry. And it was nice for YouTube 
for me to be on YouTube at the time. Like it was perfect placement for me because I had put out all this lumber information. Nobody was like, I mean, I had a few people following my channel, right? I mean, by this time, you know, I was starting to catch, you know, some attention and stuff like that, but it was still a fairly small channel. But then when lumber really started to take off, people were pouring to my channel to figure out what was going on because I was talking so much about it prior to COVID. All throughout 2019, I was talking about how the lumber industry was in bad shape. Curtailment after curtailment after curtailment. Inventory depletion like you wouldn't believe. I was talking about like some really sad stories of places like 100 Mile. I mean, I was reading through all these articles. It was like heartbreaking. You know, right? these people had no place to go. Once the mills shut down, that was it. There was nothing up there for these people. Right. And it was we're talking generations of people who lived up there. And this is what they had. Right. Was this was this forest industry that it was in complete shambles up there. And this was all throughout 2019. So it was zero surprise to me. None. When all of a sudden there was this supply chain breakdown taking place within the lumber industry. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I mean, I've been reporting on this for like an entire year. And nobody noticed. And they're like, yeah, it's due to COVID. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it's not doesn't have anything to do with COVID, right? I mean, just take a look at the article I did talking about oriented strand board, which is like sheathing for a house. Like you got, you know, the skeleton of the house, you got the sheathing that goes on before all the siding and windows and doors and stuff. This particular product is super, super popular within the new construction industry, especially down in the southern regions where there's a lot of construction taking place. They're pulling billions, billions and billions and billions of square footage off the market. They're making this announcement that they are going to do this at the end of 2019. I'll leave a link to that in this video. I'll leave a link to that video where they're talking about that. And again, it was happening at the end of 2019 before COVID kicked in here. Right. So now knowing this ahead of time, just knowing that there was this huge supply chain breakdown happening and, and talking about it and having all the evidence right here on YouTube for everybody to go back and look at even today. Like, it's not even something that I can say like, oh, no, I did it. And I don't have any evidence. You just have to believe me. Their evidence is right there. Go look. Right. I mean, it's right here on my channel. You got the dates. It's, you know, just go back all through 2019 and find them yourself. But I'll leave a link to that one. And my point being on this is that, you know, when you think about like what it is that's happening out here in the lumber industry, this is really telling of what happens throughout the rest of the manufacturers out there. But lumber is a very unique product for the United States. I mean, you have to think it's like 100 percent American, right? United States. And there's some Canadian imports and stuff like that. But the product, the manufacturing of it. The, you know, from from the natural resource to the distribution network, to the manufacturing of it, to the customer themselves is all 100 percent American. Right. The United States. So when it broke down and needed to be reestablished, boom, it was almost instantaneous. It came back. Right. And that's why we have lumber prices that have been pretty much stable for a long time now. Yes, there was a huge breakdown. There was a huge stimulus package that came out. That stimulus package caused a major disruption within the lumber industry. The prices went through the roof. Because if you think about it, if there is no supply, you have people who are within contract. They have to buy this product. No matter what, they will pay any price to get it. They are inelastic demand. Right. You have elastic demand and inelastic demand. Elastic demand is the person who says, eh, maybe we'll do the deck next year. Right. Maybe the fence will can wait. Right. But the inelastic demand is the person says, no, I have a contract. And if I don't complete this project by this particular date, I'm going to be in trouble. 
right? And so they will pay any price to have it because it's an inelastic demand. That's what caused prices to go up so dramatically within the lumber industry. That's what really did it. There was no supply and an inelastic demand, right? So the prices had no place to go but up, right? Now, when they did come back down, and I said that they were going to, and they happened before that happened before the Federal Reserve, I said, now, why did all the inflation leave lumber? Can anybody explain that to me, right? Nobody wanted to step up and say, hey, man, I can tell you exactly what happened, right? They couldn't because I was actually right about it the entire time. Once the establishment of the supply chain had, you know, become stable, the prices stabilized almost instantly. And they've been stable for a while now. So now when I look at it as a supply chain side of things, it makes a lot more sense to me because lumber was easily explained by that. But when I think about Federal Reserve and the money printing, I'm like, that doesn't explain lumber. That doesn't explain the prices in lumber. People were doing memes and talking about like how, you know, you take me to an expensive place to to eat, you know, whatever. And they took them to the lumber yard, you know, or take me to an expensive place. It was the lumber yard they went to or something. It was like this crazy, you know, ideas of what was going on within the lumber industry. And it wasn't what it wasn't anything to do with the Federal Reserve. All right. So now. Here we are sitting in a situation in which that, you know, they're saying, well, no, prices are going to you know start coming down. That's due to the Fed's efforts. Let's look out there. And I'm like, no, this is due to the reestablishment of the supply chain. And again, even if you have like the network completely opened up right now, the products that are within the system today are expensive. They have added input cost. You had... Extra energy costs, you had extra labor costs, extra transportation costs, and now they got warehousing costs. All that stuff that goes into the products today is going to keep them elevated. The new products that start to come in will come in at a cheaper price. But you have to get through the expensive inventory that is already out there. So the reestablishment of the supply chain, which has happened, right, and it's been going on for quite some time. Trucking has come down for a while now, and you're starting to see the disinflation starting to take place within a lot of the retail markets that are out there, a lot of the retail prices. But it's going to take a while. You got to think, like, warehoused stuff is more expensive than just-in-time delivery. So when the just-in-time delivery broke down and everybody says, no, we had to have a more robust supply chain and they started building warehouses to store all this stuff, then it kind of, it's going to get expensive. That added warehouse cost is expensive. Sure, there's some security behind it, but just-in-time delivery is always going to be more efficient. Right? may not be as stable, but it's definitely more efficient. So now this is what we're experiencing, right? You have this added input cost due to the warehouse. doesn't matter what the Federal Reserve really does. You have to have a reestablishment of the supply chain. Once you got just-in-time delivery, the cheapest places to manufacture will find their customer. It's just the way it is. It's like economic forces that are happening out there. And now, yes, you can burden the customer with higher interest rates. But for the, I don't know how many articles that I've seen saying that the robust consumer that just never seems, you know, the relentless consumer out there. It is going on like, you know, burning up their excess savings and stuff like that. It goes on and on, you know, hearing about how the economy is doing so well. I don't think it's the Federal Reserve that's that's doing that. You know, I mean, that not in my opinion anyway. 
So now what is causing the, the prices to move up or down has more to do with whether or not you can get that stuff through the system, how it's getting manufactured, where it's getting manufactured from. And you can easily see that when you look at the lumber industry. It makes, to it makes so much more sense. So, again, like, I think about what's going to cause inflation going into the future. You know, the Federal Reserve's worried about it, right? They're worried about inflation coming back. That is something that they have said. They said that their job may not be done yet. And it makes sense to me when I look at it from a supply side of things because it doesn't make sense from a from a interest rate point of view. Like, if you think about inflation coming back and you think, man, how is it that inflation is coming back if the Federal Reserve keeps their interest rates elevated? That doesn't make any sense, but it does if you think about it from a supply chain breakdown. Right? If you think about the consumer slowing down, there's less consuming happening out there, then you would think there would be less orders taking place. If there's less orders happening, then there's less manufacturing. If there's less manufacturing, then the shelves will eventually begin to deplete. There will be a gap in manufacturing, and that's what we're going to experience. And it's easy to see that if you understand the bullwhip effect. I mean, it's just like for every action, there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. You can tell what the actions are going to be when prices move up. When prices go up, investment begins to take place. When investment begins to take place, malinvestment begins to take place, right? Especially if you have access to credit. So if you have access to credit and you are greedy and you are trying to take advantage of high prices, then there's a bunch of other people who are probably going to do the same thing, right? And then once you have all this investment start to pour into it, boom, prices start to come down. You know, a lot of people don't don't look at it like that. You know, they just you know they just assume that. I don't know. They I don't know what they assume. You know, because that's not that's not how I do things. I don't assume it anymore. I try to look for the evidence that has taken place out there and the economic forces that would go along with it. All right. I kind of babbled on there. I think I kind of made my point. Let's open up the mail. If you like what you are hearing and you want to ask questions, geez, I'm having a hard time talking and consider joining the channel. You know, we do live streams twice a week where there's really like the last few live streams had 20 to 25 people in there. We have a much more closer conversation in which that, you know, if you have questions about how these things work, if you have like, you know, even just comments that you want to make. These things get read and, and looked at inside of a great community of guys who are very serious about this topic and learning and trying to understand it for themselves. So anyway, let's open up the mail and see what's in here. <laughs> nice. All right, man. Let me let me read this. This is cool. This is this is way cool. Right on. All right. Hey, Simon, I got you the car of your dreams. Happy holidays. Uh, Michael. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Michael, thank you so much, man. That is so cool. Right? I got the Camaro, the blue one. Oh, dude, that is so bad. That is so awesome. Oh, I'm going to stay there now, will I? Probably. I'll put it there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Michael, man. That is so cool. I'm going to put that on my desk at work. And uh, Ganther, man, thank you so much. I put your hoodie on, too, for this one. Um, you've sent me, like, a package, like, every year for years now. I mean, it's... Thank you. I really appreciate that, man. Um, oh, right on. Very cool, man. It's one of the silver ounces that you guys have with your logo on it. That is so awesome. 
Thank you so much. Very cool. Man, talk about great Christmas gifts, man. I feel bad that I waited so long on this. But... All right. All right. Merry Christmas. Oh, bro. Really? Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Glory to God in the highest and on highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. Merry Christmas from all of us, Ganther Construction, Architecture Incorporated. Simon, buckle up for 2024. God bless you and yours, Ben. Man, thank you so much for that. That is so cool of you. And thank oops, she was. It's a bad spot. The old Toyota doesn't want to hold on to anything here. Well, I was going to hopefully pin it up there for you guys. But thank you so much, Ganther, or Ganther Construction, Ben, from there. Really appreciate you guys doing that um, for the support and everything. Thank you so much for the Camaro. That's really cool. Um, but, yeah, I don't even know how to leave that untouched by this. Thank you guys very much. Um, anyhow, let's... Uh, Let's end it right there, man, because I, I don't know what else to say. Uneducated economist, you guys let me know. Put the wrong one.